Hello and welcome to Maine Education Matters with Matt and Matt. My name's Matt. I'm Matt too. This week, Matt, it's going to be a busy week. Welcome back from vacation. February vacation is over and we are in it to win it. We are in it to win it so much. We have approximately 8,000 pods to do this week for uh, you. Something like that. I don't expect to see my family anytime soon. So we're going to start off with previewing February 25th t- uh, public hearings. Yes. To be totally transparent. Let's pull back the curtain. These have already happened. They have. We, uh, Matt just said it was vacation week last week, so we had other responsibilities to do. Yes. Uh, so we couldn't get together to preview, and they came out like at a weird time, and everything kind of came out at once, hence 8,000 podcasts. It was ridiculous how everything just got dropped and scheduled and planned Boom. and just, just all, all and everyone in the lap, like, there it is. Now deal with, deal with that nonsense. Snap. So you can track all of these on a handy-dandy spreadsheet that we've made for you. That is handy-dandy, man. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. And you can also, of course, go to these uh, committee website right at the Maine Legislature or something. Let's yeah, see. Legislature.maine.gov. Slash committee slash hashtag committee slash edu. Edu. Or we could just put a link. In yeah, the which, which there are links. And there's also a link to the spreadsheet on the Facebook page, uh, which is uh, Maine Ed Matters. And on – no, Maine Education Matters on Facebook. And on Twitter, it's Somewhere. Maine Ed Matters. It's – if you just type in Maine Education Matters on either social media network. It comes up. Is it a network? Not yet. Not yet. We're going to okay. be the network. So let's start with Again. <laughs> February 25th. All right, uh, February 25th. February 25th, Monday. there are three bills up for public hearing. We're going to start with LD 247, which is an act to increase the amount of time School counselors and social workers spend providing students direct and indirect counseling. Presented by Senate uh, Committee Leader uh, Millette of Cumberland. And there's a bunch of co-sponsors. And what, what does this one do for the most part? Uh, well, as a summary says, the bill requires each school counselor and school social worker to spend at least 80% of that counselor's or social worker's time providing direct or indirect services to students and requires the Commissioner of Education to adopt rules to implement this. To me, this sounds like a fantastic idea because clearly I, I, I would assume that this comes about because they're hearing that school counselors are do, do a lot more than counsel. Right. Uh, especially at the high school level, I would say. Yeah, my, my notes when I was write, reading this and thinking about it, it, it seems like a stay in their lane. Keep the counselors in their lane yeah. and don't have them to do – you know, I remember once as a teacher, um, actually even right now, uh, one of my one of my, my principal's favorite line on my contract was any other duties as assigned mm-hmm. by the principal. That any other duties that burned me because there was just so much other stuff that I had to go again go and do because the principal assigned it. So that could be a thing here. This kind of making schools counselors um, and social workers okay. Any other duty as assigned is fine, but make sure that eighty percent of your time is spent with kids either indirect or indirect. And they made definitions for those as well, and we don't have to go over those. No, I know. I think it's pretty pretty straightforward. Um, and so let's just move to the next yeah, one. Yeah, and I, like you said, I assume this is needed because it was being misused somewhere. Yep, yep, which can – and I don't think by my personal opinion, not by anybody's fault. It just kind of evolves that way that everybody in schools has a lot to do. Yeah. And eventually you get torn into other pieces of your job. As you said, those other duties is assigned. So – well, it, ju- the, it just happens. The other side of it, too, the, the, the only limitation I see here is in a, um, a small rural school or rural districts where mm-hmm. 
where subs are highly limited, where you don't have a whole population of people to come and support um, if you have a major teacher outage. Mm -hmm. Um, And so at that point, you're pretty much just trying to pick bodies to make sure that you can have the coverage that you need. And so this would possibly limit that for those particular schools in those situations, knowing that there is a statewide teacher shortage and statewide substitute shortage. So that could become an issue. It'll be interesting to see what uh, people say for about the testimony for this fund. Indeed. So the next one is LD406, which is an act to establish regional school leadership academies. This one is presented and co-sponsored by the committee leaders. Both, uh, both of them, yeah. Representative and Cornfield and Senator Millent. With Representative Daughtry, uh, who was a former Ed Committee member, mm-hmm. uh, Dodge, Farnsworth, Pouliot, um, all current Education yeah. Committee members. And Pierce is another former one. Pierce from is last a former year, one, yes, so. that's right. Um, what this basically does is award grants from this fund to establish these school leadership academies. Uh, a lot of the things that went through last year were the regional collaborations uh, that some districts get together to share services. And in my district is in one that shares some professional development with a couple of districts around us. Uh, this one establishes academies in order to help um, – basically prepare people who are interested in becoming school leaders Yep, and goes through a whole program. Uh, they can share services. They can share some PD around this, a support network. Um, I know that I'm, I'm not a principal. You are not a principal. No, I am not. Uh, we got into these jobs for some unknown reason, but there wasn't a lot of preparation here, here, for here's us. The, right? Here's the sad part. Here's the sad part about that. This literally is my dream job. I, I, I love what I do. I love every second of it. Well, not every second of it. No, nothing is good every second of the time. But um, I, I do love what. It, but this was what I wanted to do, and I don't really. Yeah. But there. But the training for it. What? Where? <laughs> I'm wondering where this is going. I don't know. I'm just. Like, I'm trying to be honest. I'm That's putting myself good. out there That's for really, you. It's a great job. There, there's a lot of bonuses to it. There right? are. It's, there, it's, there, there's a lot of perks. There's a lot of people you get to talk to. Uh, there's things that I did not imagine that I would be doing when I get into education. Yeah. Um, but as you're right, there's no training for this. None. And it's... principals kind of have the same boat. They they have a little bit more. I think there's more more principals than there is curriculum leaders out there. That is very true. So I know a lot of teachers have have, have moved to become school leaders and become principals and assistant principals and. Um, they kind of get into it, and sometimes they're shocked by the amount of stuff you have to do. Um, kind of like I was getting into this job. I was thinking this whole thing. I was like, why can't this be also a curriculum leaders type thing? Uh, it does talk specifically about school leadership, but I, I don't see why you couldn't expand that a little bit. You're saying, what is the life of a, <laughs> a dream job curriculum director? It, 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 it's, it, it still is my dream job. <laughs> I, I, I love it to anyone who's listening who cool I work with. I do, I do enjoy this, this bill. It kind of expands what those collaborations were, were meant for, uh, and it's a good idea. I, 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 think it's, I think it's a fine idea, too. Any kind of way to, to, to share support and to provide more leadership and more um, support for leadership. Um, I know a lot of things like administration and things have gotten a bad rap over the last few years politically. Sure. Um, and so I think anything that we can try to do to also understand, have folks understand that leadership is really important, and it helps it, – it, it plays a vital role in schools and school districts and communities. And so 
we should nurture that and support that and find those within our communities or our areas who can do who can do really great things and build them up to become those leaders. Yeah, before they're actually in the position and being like, oh, now I get trained, but I've already got the job. Right. It's like, well, something's a little backwards. Maybe, maybe we could do a little bit beforehand. Yeah, that's a good idea. So let's get to our last one of the day. This is a short podcast. It's the shortest one of the week. Don't jinx us. I could I could make us go long. You know that. Not on this one. <laughs> this is LD662. It's an act to count study abroad towards secondary school credit. Seems pretty straightforward. Okay, so this is a one-pager. Yeah. I have no idea what this what problem this solves. I, I have an, an idea. Do you want to go through it? Let's go through let's, it. Let's let's do it. I, oh, I, God. I, I did jinx ourselves. Let's do it. <laughs> it's a half hour about three things here. Because I did write down one major question about this that I have. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. I'll start going through it then, and you come up with the question. My question is, I don't get it. So <laughs> <laughs> I believe that's more of a statement than a question. <laughs> that's a fair point. I don't get it? Oh, yes. Okay, so the summary this one does, it it requires school administrative units to award course credit to students who have studied abroad by awarding the student elective credit based on hours of instruction received abroad or by awarding credit hours in the relevant content area if the student receives third-party certification or if the student passes a summative assessment. Those are the three pieces. Elective credit. Yep. You get... uh, Credit in the amount equal to one third of the direct instruction hours received abroad. Yep. Okay. I, Number that, two. I, that, that was one of the ones that, <laughs> as I was reading it, went, huh? Okay. Third, Wait. third party certification. Wait, can we just go back to just, just hang on to that one little bit for a second? Because an elective credit, I want to make sure people understand this. It says to award the student elective credits in the amount equal to one third of the direct instruction hours received abroad. This. This seems odd to me that it's – and it goes to my whole bigger question about this whole particular area, um, which is this is all based on credit. What if a district chose the proficiency-based diploma pathway? We'll get to that in a different bill that's upcoming on our next pod, previewing the week of March 4th, that talks about proficiency specifically. We'll, oh, there's a teaser. <laughs> let's go to the next one because i'm i don't get any of these third party certification uh awards the student course credits if they attain certification in that content area by a third party approved the amount of course credits must be determined by comparing the results of the certification and the requirements of an equivalent course okay so um, the next one some of assessment they can award credits if you receive a passing grade on the summative assessment in an equivalent course or the first summative assessment in a course that is one level higher than the equivalent course offered by the SAU. So, so here, here's, here, here's kind of where I'm, where I'm thinking this might go. If, okay. if, you're, if, you're, if a student is doing a, stu- a semester abroad or sometime abroad, whatever it is, and they take, say, a literature class over there, maybe they could come back here, take some kind of an assessment, assuming that it's aligned to the standards that they're learning what they learned over there was aligned to our standards here could take a similar assessment and possibly pass that to earn the credit or something along those lines. Am I getting anywhere close? I'm seeing deadness in your eyes on this one. (laughs) So again, I go back to what problem is this solving? I think the problem that it's trying to solve is that 
um, a fear that some folks, parents or students might have of allowing their students to go be sent abroad for a semester is that they might fall behind in terms of earning credit. Um, if, 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 you know, if, if trying to earn credit to get the diploma, if they're gone for a semester, they might lose that time. This bill could help support change that, address that, to make sure that their time abroad, that their time in classes could be earned for credit, of which I am in support of as an idea. Sure. sure. Yeah, I, think, I, don't, I, I don't see Learning that is learning. It'd be, it'd be, yeah, learning is learning. I, I get that part. Again, I just don't know the issue. The interesting part to me was none of those words we just said. <laughs> what the fact what is that happening? it's sponsored by nine of the 13 members on the Education Committee, along with yeah. a couple others. Nine I, of I'm, them. I'm, I'm still stuck on the amount equal to one-third of the direct instruction hours received abroad. Like, why, why one-third? So why? Why one-third? What is, what? Some of these, if you've listened to us before, and if you have, well, thank, thank you. you. And I really enjoy reading the, per, the person who presents this and their mm. reasons behind it. Yes, because indeed. sometimes, if, again, if you've heard some of these past ones, we're, we're like, what? I, I don't even understand. And then you hear it, and it's like, oh, okay, that, that could make sense. Uh, at least I understand why it came up. Right. So I'm interested in what the context does uh, matter. Representative Fecto of Augusta, who's on the committee, is the presenter for this one. So I'm very interested in, in uh, seeing what he has to say about this one. Me as well. And, and it's and always so. fun to listen to as well. If you can listen, because oftentimes they'll have questions of the people there, and they'll add, they'll provide a lot more context. That's that's one of my one of my big bones that I have to pick. It, it is available for listening live, but they don't allow you to. They don't have that record recorded anywhere that I can go back and find. I can't find that. It's just, it's live and then it's gone. Do you know if it's recorded anywhere for posterity? We, we will find that out for you. Okay, so I guess we have some homework. Again. More homework, along with all the testimony and everything that we're reading. With that, uh, that's the end of February 25th. For 8,000 bills that were presented this week. <laughs> lots of bills, lots of testimony, lots of work sessions. This one it's, it's fun times. happened already February 25th in the morning. Um, we will be reviewing this testimony uh, sometimes in the future. It'll probably be posted. It usually gets posted in the next couple days. So I imagine it'll be one of our upcoming pods. Like that? Bye. Bye.